0: Good morning. Shout out to all the mothers in the house who have been stuffing Easter eggs and hiding them and breaking up Easter egg hunt candy fights. Shout out to all the dads sneaking the Easter candy when the children go to bed. Here we are. We've made it. Hallelujah thus far. And um, the older I get, man, some of you are really excited about that. I guess it's been a rough weekend. I don't know. The older I get, the longer my sermons get. But rest assured, it's just because I have to increase the font size. (laughs) And so, um, I'm thankful some of you can't relate. The rest of you, you'll get there one day. Hey, I am excited to be here uh, this morning and to just share God's word with you guys. And I believe um, that God wants to do incredible things in our midst. And it's not just another Resurrection Sunday. We have climaxed into the end of our Holy Week. A week that would start with the waving of palm branches An end with an empty tomb. It's in this place and in this space we are most clearly confronted with the furious love of the Father. And I don't know where your heart has been this week. Maybe you've found yourself waving palm branches in expectation of his arrival. Or maybe you found yourself betraying him yet again for another cheap fix of sin. That never satisfies. Maybe behind closed doors you found yourself being one yelling, Crucify him, crucify him, in self righteous pride and arrogance. Maybe you've been arguing within yourself that you're the greatest and you deserve the best seat at the table with the Father. Maybe you've been disappointed and confused at the turn of events that God has somehow orchestrated in your life. Maybe you've been stunned by the deafening silence of a God who appears dead and silent. Maybe you've been relieved by a God who is not dead, but alive, just as he said. And maybe, just maybe, you're thankful for a God who keeps his word. Maybe you've been all of the above in the last seven days. Regardless of what your response has been or where your heart has been postured, even for those this morning who feel dead on the inside and you're just here because, well, it's Resurrection Sunday and it's what you do. I believe that the Father is beckoning us deeper this morning, myself included. I mean, honestly, how many different Easter sermons can we hear, right? Right? Dead Jesus, quiet Jesus, alive Jesus. Hooray! But there's more. There's more. There's a greater depth to this story that we celebrate. See, really, the Easter story, the resurrection story, it's our lineage. It's our inheritance. As sons and daughters of King Jesus. Jesus. This was the life that you and I were created, designed, and hardwired to live. It even says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Looks real cute on a poster. Doesn't look real cute in our lives, does it? he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. These scriptures are true, solid, period, at the end of every sentence. But can I be bold enough this morning to say, thank you, I got one person with me. That's all right. As long as it's one, Lord. <laughs> I'm used to a little interaction from, like, you know, the House of Faith kids. Like, they kind of talk a little bit, so you can breathe. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> can I be bold enough to say that for a majority of us in this room, those scriptures aren't exactly true for our lives? Our lives don't exactly line up with Galatians two twenty, in Romans eight nine through eleven. Sure, we want to celebrate the empty tomb, and we're doing that today. And we want to celebrate the fact that King Jesus conquered it all, once and for all. And that he proved every hater and demon and naysayer in hell and on the sidelines wrong. But there's more. There's more. The resurrection is a recalibrating to what our lives were truly meant to be, modeled after Jesus in every way. You have one week left to live. How do you spend it? Elaborate vacation? Exotic car? Breaking the speed limit down Bryant? (laughs) Maybe eating wings at 12 o'clock at night and forgetting the calorie count? Eugene Cho said this. In his final days, Jesus the king borrowed a donkey, washed dirty feet, ate with misfits, forgave enemies, And went to the cross because of his love for humanity. I I would dare to say that our lives don't exactly mirror the life of Christ like we long for, like we think. If we really want to be like Jesus, if you really want to be like Jesus, be the one who stays when everyone else walks away, be the one who forgives even when it's undeserved. No, thank you. Be the one to show grace when everyone else is casting stones. Be the one to show love, even when they betray you. Because that is who Jesus is. See, I don't think our lives mirror the life of Christ like we think it does. We're going to read out of Romans 8 this morning, verses 12 through 17. It says this, So then, brothers, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and follow, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. What is ours as co heirs as Christ? Victory over death, total forgiveness of sin, resurrection, life, and power. The old has gone, the new has come. Chains broken, demons scattered, walking in the fullness and victory and freedom and newness of life. Signs and wonders greater than what Jesus himself did. That's our inheritance. That's the quality of life that Jesus rising from the grave gave us. But is that really what you and I are walking in? I'll be bold enough to say no. No. Not for Tara. See, here's the deal. You cannot have a resurrection without first a crucifixion. I realize it's Sunday. And I realize that for two days on social media, we've been saying Sunday's coming. But see, we got to go back to Friday and we got to park for a minute. Because you cannot have a resurrection power life without first the crucifixion. And I'm not talking about Jesus, I'm talking about you and I. This was the design for our lives. We know this, it's common sense, but man, we struggle. I struggle. This week, I struggled hard against this flesh that's so sinful and selfish. I'm prideful. See, I want the resurrection of Jesus. I want the good news. I want the hope. But I don't care to die to myself. I kind of like me and my sinful patterns and my habits and my hangups. I like the storyline I've been writing for my life. That somehow Tara knows better than God. We wouldn't be so bold as to actually vocalize that with our mouth. But we say it with our lives all the time. To put away the old, to walk in the new, to walk in complete healing and freedom and victory. We live lives as bench warmers on Sunday when we were created and destined to be champions on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday. Bench warmers at best. We were created to be champions, co heirs with Christ. Who three days dead came up from the tomb, proving every hater wrong. That is who you and I are. That is our identity as sons and daughters of the King, beloved children of God. There is no empty grave without first a cross. And the cross, it was everything. What is hard for you to let go of? To die to? A favorite sin? secret addiction, a heart-wrenching disappointment from your past, the unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment you hold so tightly, your self-righteous pride and list of accomplishments. What is so hard for you to let go of? Few persons are crucified today. For us, the cross remains confined to ornaments and jewelry, stained glass windows, romanticized pictures, and statues portraying a serene death. Crucifixion was a form of execution refined by the Romans to a precise art. It was carefully conceived to produce a slow death with maximum pain. It was a public spectacle intended to deter other would-be criminals. It was a death to be feared. The beating. It was in this condition that Jesus faced the first physical abuse. Punches and slaps to the face and head while blindfolded. Unable to anticipate the blows, Jesus was badly bruised. His mouth and eyes possibly injured. By the way, this is a medical examiner's perspective of the crucifixion. The psychological effects of the false trials should not be underestimated. Consider that Jesus faced them bruised, dehydrated, exhausted, possibly in shock. In the previous 12 hours, Jesus had suffered emotional trauma, rejection by his closest friends, a cruel beating, and a sleepless night during which he had to walk miles between unjust hearings. Despite the fitness he must certainly have gained during his travels in Palestine, he was in no way prepared for the punishment of flogging. The effects would be worse as a result. A man to be flogged was stripped of his clothes and his hands tied to a post above his head. He was then whipped across the shoulders, back, thighs, and legs. The soldier soldier standing behind him and to one side of the victim. The whip used, the flagellum, was designed to make this a devastating punishment, bringing the victim close to death. Several short, heavy leather thongs with two small balls of lead or iron detached near the end of each. Pieces of sheep's bone was sometimes included. As the scourging proceeds, the heavy leather thongs produce first superficial cuts, then deeper damage to underlying tissues. Bleeding becomes severe when not only capillaries and veins are cut, but also arteries in the underlying muscles. The small metal balls first produce large, deep bruises, which are broken open by further blows. The fragments of sheep's bone rip the flesh as the whip is drawn back. When the beating is finished, The skin of the back is in ribbons, the entire area torn and bleeding. The words chosen by the gospel writers suggest that the scourging of Jesus was particularly severe. He was certainly at the point of collapse when he was cut down from the flogging post. Jesus was allowed no time to recover before facing his next ordeal. Made to stand, he was dressed in a robe by jeering soldiers, crowned with a twisted band of thorny twigs, and to complete the parody, given a wooden staff as a king's scepter. Next, they spat on Jesus, struck him on the head with the wooden staff. The long thorns were driven into the sensitive scalp tissue, producing profuse bleeding, but even more terrible was the reopening of the wounds on Jesus' back when the robe was torn off again. Further weakened physically and emotionally, Jesus was led away to be executed. The wooden cross used by the Romans was too heavy to be carried by one man. Instead, the victim to be crucified was made to bear the detached crossbar across his shoulders, carrying it outside the city walls to the place of execution. Jesus was unable to carry his load, a beam weighing around 75 to 125 pounds. He collapsed under the burden, and an onlooker was ordered to take it for him. Jesus refused to drink the wine, and myrrh offered him before the nails were driven in. It would have dulled the pain. Thrown down on his back with his arms outstretched along the crossbar, nails were driven through Jesus' wrists into the wood. These iron spikes, about six inches long and three-eighths of an inch thick, severed the large sensory motor median nerve, causing excruciating pain in both arms. Carefully placed between bones and ligaments, they were able to bear the full weight of the crucified man. In preparation for the nailing of the feet, Jesus was lifted up and a crossbar fixed to the upright post. Then, with legs bent at the knee, A single nail was used to pierce both feet, one foot being placed over the other. Again, there was severe nerve damage, and the pain caused was intense. It is important to note, however, that neither the wounds to the wrist or feet caused substantial bleeding, since no major arteries were ruptured. The executioner took care to ensure this so that death would be slower and suffering would be longer. Now nailed to his cross, the real horror of crucifixion began. When the wrists were nailed to the crossbar, the elbows were intentionally left in a bent position so that the crucified man would hang with his arms above his head, the weight being taken on the nails and the wrists. Obviously, this was unbearably painful, but it had another effect. It is very difficult to exhale in this position. In order to breathe out and then take in fresh air, it was necessary to push the body up on the nailed feet. When the pain from the feet became unbearable, the victim again would slump down to hang by the arms. A terrible cycle of pain began. Hanging by the arms, unable to breathe. Pushing up on the feet to inhale quickly before again slumping down and on and on, and on. This tortured activity became more and more difficult as Jesus' back was scraped against the upright post. As muscle cramps set in because of the inadequate respiration, and as exhaustion grew more severe, Jesus suffered in this manner for several hours before, with a final cry, he said to Telestai, "'It is finished.'" And he breathed his last. With the crown of thorns, Jesus became the king forever. Your head has all kinds of blood vessels. This is made out of mesquite. But it's sharp, incredibly sharp. For hours, they mocked him. The same people who Jesus blessed and Jesus fed and Jesus... Clothed in Jesus encouraged, those same people crucified him in the cruelest manner possible. And I ask us this morning, what is so hard for you and I to die to in light of the cross of Jesus Christ? What in your life compares to the crown of thorns? I'm not minimizing the pain that you feel or the incredible heartache or disappointment, I get it, I do, on a small level. But I'm asking this this morning because you and I are getting robbed of resurrection power life because we refuse to go through the crucifixion. And I guarantee your worst day on planet Earth didn't compare Jesus's best day on planet earth. You know when Jesus' best day on planet earth was? Not the empty tomb. I beg to differ. It was the crucifixion. Because when he said to Telestai, it is finished, he didn't say, I am finished. I'm done. I give up on you all. He didn't have to stay on the cross. It's not like we had magnet Jesus and magnet cross and oh no, things aren't going according to plan. This was the plan from the beginning of eternity. For you and I and for our stupid crap sin that disappoints every time, every single time, this was a plan. And I ask, what is it that is so hard for us to surrender? Jesus said, it is finished. Translation, there's nothing else that you and I have to do. We, we don't have to actually physically die on the cross, praise God. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to lay down on top of a wooden cross and get comfortable, but there is no comfort. When he said, it is finished, that was the final full payment in Jesus' name. And no longer were we separated from perfect, holy God by our own sin and pride and selfishness. Jesus paid it all. And the veil of the temple was torn in two, and the separation that existed between holy, perfect God and sinful, wretched man was no more. And we had direct access to the God who designed us. He defeated everything, no sin left uncovered by his blood. He kept his every word, every prophecy fulfilled, just as it had been written. He conquered the grave and he rose on the third day. He silenced the accuser of our souls with his final breath. See, you cannot have an empty tomb without first a crucifixion. And I ask of us again today, what is it that is so hard for us to surrender and to die to? In light of what Christ has paid for us, what is it you refuse to let go of? Joan of Arc once said, Hold the cross up high that I might see it through the flames. There were flames and billows of smoke that could be seen for miles as the sacred Notre Dame Cathedral burned, as a stunned world watched at the devastation that lit up the night sky right in front of them and left the masses speechless. But God, And what remained in the midst of the char and the ashes? The cross. Oh, I get it. There's been arguments this week about perspective and about the photo and about really, like, if you get an aerial view, that cross was, like, 60 or 100 feet away from where the actual fire was, and the things that burned were wood, and that cross is made of metal, and the burning temperature needed for wood versus fine metals is yada yada. And and you know where this argument has taken place? Amongst believers. So on Holy Week, we're arguing about perspective. But see, the thing about perspective is your position determines your perspective. And your perspective changes everything. And frankly, I don't care about the perspective of this photo. Are we really going to dumb down the cross and the empty tomb to some scientific explanation? Are we really going to get logical about it? But that is what you and i have done well maybe not you and i but some of us is that what we've really wasted our time with in the middle of holy week god bless you that that's what took place that that is what remained is that cross There's a reason we put crosses around our necks and not little empty tomb charms. Although I'm not saying nothing if you have an empty tomb charm. I've just never seen one. I mean, why don't we have empty tomb walls in our houses, right? Like how many different empty tomb formations could you have? I don't know. According to Pinterest, there's a lot. But the cross remains, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And any time I find myself at the foot of the cross, I want to remember the voice of Christ as he cried out in agony, the sound of the whips that tore into the muscles of his back, the sight of the perfect son of God beaten beyond recognition. And I want to tremble in humble gratefulness in the shadow of that cross. That was mine to bear. That was my cross to bear. That should have been my crown of thorns. That should have been my blood spilled out. That should have been my flesh ripped apart. That was mine to bear and yours. And I want to remember that. I never want to forget. It was the summer of 2016. We were at camp with 150 middle school and high schoolers in the... Man, it's so hot in Texas. It's just dumb. (laughs) Seriously. And if I could sum up camp with three words, it would be more deodorant, please. You know, it was like one of those weeks. And um, the theme was death to selfie. And uh, we were talking about like dying to self, dying to sin, you know, kind of some of this mixed in. And um, as... I spoke that week and prayed like the, the Lord was just giving me ideas and downloads. And so he's like, Tara, I have a funeral. And I'm like, God, like that's kind of morbid. We're at camp and I don't have a casket. And anyway, it happened. Okay, it happened. And we built a casket out of some scrap wood and we had a wooden cross. And that night, it was powerful, man. We had a mock funeral. I mean, we had some of the House of Faith students dressed in a white shirt. And they carried that casket. And it sat in the front as I taught. And at the end of the night, everyone there, adults included, had the chance to die to something. They wrote down on on pieces of paper these sacred confessions, things like pornography, and I'm so mad that my mom didn't want me when I was a kid, and, and all these other things. It was sacred. And they put it in the casket, hundreds of little white pieces of paper. And we carried that casket out And music played, and it was somber and solemn. And it was like, holy. And we buried that casket, and everyone had a chance to put some dirt on the casket. And we gave the opportunity that maybe if you were burying something that you didn't really want to die to, you could take it back. And, well, no one took anything back. And we buried that casket with a cross. It was one of my most memorable moments over the years. Moments I'll never forget. Two years later, just last summer, we found ourselves back at camp again. Guess what? More deodorant, please. Still, re- still stands, okay? And it was hot. Dumb hot, okay? And the theme this time was make them count. And I don't remember the scripture reference, of course, that it was based on, but it's this whole idea of like making the most of our days. Okay? And so one of the nights we talked about how we don't make our lives count when we dig up dead things looking for life. You know what the Lord said? Tara, go dig up that casket. I'm like, okay, this has gone too far, sir. With all due respect, go dig up the casket. And so I, of course, go start digging in the wrong place, completely like in the wrong field. And <laughs> My friend Mark, he um, helps me and Let's be honest, he did most of the work, and I just sat in the golf cart and drank water and cheered him on. And it took us hours. Hours. And you know what we found? We found that the casket had completely disintegrated, all except for this piece right here. This was the biggest piece that remained. So I kept it, because I'm just weird like that. So I guess if you ever need a casket lid, you can borrow mine. Hey. This is a great casket lid made of the finest quality of material. <laughs> but the entire casket was disintegrated. But you know what was really interesting? I couldn't find a single piece of paper. Amen. They were gone. I mean, I was like looking because I was kind of curious. I was like, I want to. Like, no one read those pieces of paper at camp two years ago. And I kind of wanted to see them. And I like dug. I mean, I was looking. And, and Kathy was out there and we were We were looking. Yeah, Kathy helped dig a lot too. She she's like that. Uh, They were gone. They were just gone. But do you know what remained perfectly intact? This. Right here. The cross. Now don't tell me that's coincidence. Don't tell me that the cross of Notre Dame is coincidence. Don't tell me that the cell adhesion molecule, thank you, Louis Giglio, for talking about smart things, inside our bodies is laminin, and it's actually in the shape of a cross. It's literally what holds our entire insides together. Don't tell me that's just happenstance. The cross remains because it's an invitation. (laughs) See, we see the cross, and it's like, ooh, invitation to death, no thanks. Uh Uh-uh. The cross is an invitation to resurrection, power, life, life to the fullest, life as we have never known it. The cross remains. The cross remains. And the reason the cross remains is because Jesus is alive and only in in and through the cross do we find resurrection life complete and total victory in and through Christ Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior and King. I'm going to invite Logan to come up here and uh, the prayer team. If you're going to pray for people after service, just go ahead and come up. We're about to wrap up. We were created to rise with Christ. We were created to live a resurrected life. We weren't created for death. We weren't created to be addicted to pornography. We weren't created to just survive this life on this tiny blue dot. We were created to look like Jesus, to sound like Jesus, to smell like Jesus, and that will never happen until you suffer like Christ did. And I'm not talking an actual crucifixion. I'm talking dying to your life as you know it and surrendering, complete surrendering to King Jesus. Your disappointments, your hurts, your failures, your secret sin, your habits, your hang-ups, your hold-ups. You cannot have an empty tomb without first a crucifixion. And I don't want us to miss that. I want to live the life that Jesus created for me. But I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it if I insist on living life my way. Only those who are brought low in death will rise with him in newness of life. Bob Goff said this, darkness fell, his friends scattered, all hope seemed lost, but heaven started counting to three. And I believe this morning that heaven is counting to three to wake us up, to call his lost children back home. For those of you in this place who have never surrendered and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior... Heaven is counting to three. One. Two. How much darkness has to fall? How many friends have to scatter? How much does hope have to seem lost until we finally surrender? You cannot have an empty tomb. You cannot have a resurrection power life without first crucifixion jesus did his part he's just asking us to do ours and no one has the power to choose that but you no one has the power to respond to the gospel but you the cross remains because the invitation is there because jesus wants to give you and i a resurrection power life heaven is counting heaven is counting 2 Corinthians 2 says this, God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God, a perfume of life to those being saved And the odor of death to those who are perishing. The unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death. But believers smell the life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. And who of us can rise to this challenge? Oh, we are celebrating today. But if you don't know Jesus, you're missing it. And if you're holding on to something like this, not living in total surrender and freedom before the Lord, you're missing it. The resurrection will be nothing more than colorful eggs and cute cupcakes and another holiday gone and by. But to those of us who hear what the Spirit is saying, it is an invitation to a life abundant that you have never known. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. His love endures to a thousand generations. His mercy endures forever. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh God, you are not like man that you should change your mind or lie, but you are a God who keeps his word. When you breathe, you put stars into the night sky and he has your name spelled correctly engraved on those same hands that bore our nails. Resurrection, power life. Maybe you've never fully surrendered to Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. We're going to give you an opportunity for that today. I, I, I would be a fool to not give you that open invitation. Today is a day of salvation for you. There is nothing you have done that God the Father cannot and will not forgive. Trust me. For some of us in this place, we're not walking out that resurrection life because, well... We haven't died to some things. Maybe it's a sin or anger or bitterness or resentment. Today is an opportunity for you to fully surrender. To wave the white flag and say, okay, Jesus, I'm done. Kill it all and raise me up in the newness of life. I just want you to be still before the Lord. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and listen to what the Spirit might be saying. Actually, everyone stand up, please. And just be still. Just be still and listen. make jesus christ your personal lord and savior i'm going to invite you right where you are to just raise your hands and surrender just raise your hands and surrender let the lord be the lord of your life And for the rest of us maybe you need to surrender something you know what that thing is that you have yet to lay on the cross I'm going to invite you to do the same, to just raise your arms in complete and total surrender to King Jesus. The victory is yours. Freedom and breakthrough is yours. The resurrection life is yours. The resurrection power is yours. We were designed and created to be champions Monday through Sunday. The days of Bench Warmer on Sunday are ever over. This is your opportunity to surrender. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Jesus, we honor you. We honor you, King Jesus. You are the great I Am. You are the Lamb of God. You are the risen one. You are the ultimate champion. You are victory and freedom and deliverance. And today we celebrate you. God, and today we surrender. We surrender our hearts, God. Our sin that is so disappointing every time. God, we surrender our addictions and our secrets that nobody knows. God, we surrender our bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. God, the anger that has held us hostage, we surrender it. And God, we ask that by your spirit and according to your word, you would resurrect us with your son. As co-heirs with Christ, seated at the right hand of the father, that we would walk in the fullness of who you've designed us to be, warriors and champions and sons and daughters of God who walk in victory and not defeat who walk in freedom and not in bondage God we surrender we surrender thank you for being a God who keeps his word thank you for being a God who is stronger than the grip of death thank you for being a God who satisfies us far more than sin ever will we love you we honor you In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This uh, ministry team will be here. If you would like to receive prayer about anything or to just tell somebody of a decision you've made, then don't leave the room. We dismiss you. We love you. We say God bless and peace, peace, peace of God over you in the name of Jesus. Happy Resurrection Day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.